Hey Logo Geeks, it's Ian Paget here and on this week's podcast I'm joined by Matt Davis to discuss how he went from being a designer to becoming a full-time brand consultant. Now this episode is supported by the new season of Wireframe, a podcast from Adobe XD all about how UX can help technology fit into our lives. Wireframe is a podcast for designers and for the design curious and is hosted by the Senior Director of Design at Adobe. At the time of recording, the world is still in a pandemic. Uh, It's been this way for months now and it's really changed our habits and our lives in so many ways. And the third season of Wireframe will lean into how design interacts with these changing times. So they cover stories like how user experience design helps people manage stress and sleeplessness, or find something good to watch on an online streaming service. It also explores how design helps older family members understand technology. You'll hear from designers and design leaders who have built UX and UI experiences for companies like Headspace, Patreon, and Kickstarter. Now, I got a sneak preview of Wireframe's upcoming third season with the first episode discussing how COVID-19 is changing how designers think. Now, it's a very different style of show to mine. It's much more produced with music and it has different stories from different people injected into one episode but the stories in this particular episode that I listened to were very raw and honest and really thought-provoking highlighting the struggles and anxieties that 2020 has brought all of us. It's a podcast that's really gripping from an emotional level but they've also shared signs of recovery, sharing how the world has changed and it's made the situation which is horrendous also feel potentially exciting, especially for designers. We have an opportunity to fix new problems and to help change the world and make people's lives better more than any other time in in my life personally. Um, So I I do think that show is worth a listen. Uh, Whether you're into UX, UI, technology, or just curious about the way design impacts our everyday lives. So to find Wireframe, head to logogeek.uk forward slash Wireframe, or do a search for Wireframe in your favorite podcasting app. So thank you so much to Wireframe for supporting this episode of the podcast. So moving into this week's episode, last year I attended a training course by Marty Neumeyer, which allowed me to become a certified brand specialist. And at that session, which was over two days, I met this week's guest, a guy called Matt Davis. Now Matt had actually already done the course earlier in the year and had volunteered to help the group through the workshops. He's super ambitious, very energetic, and really knows what he's talking about when it comes to brand strategy. He is, after all, a full-time brand consultant, 
and also the author of the book, Story Attitude. After spending time with Matt and talking throughout the weekend, I come to realize that he'd actually started out as a designer. He's been a designer, he's been an agency owner, he's worked for companies, he's managed teams, but here today, he's an independent, full-time brand consultant. And he no longer does any design. He instead works with clients to solve strategic problems through workshops. So I wanted to get him on the podcast to share with us how he was able to transition from being a designer to being a full-time brand consultant. Now, I want to be clear that personally, I see absolutely nothing wrong with being a designer. That's my plan personally. It's what I really love and enjoy. But I do really feel strongly that every designer needs to at least have an understanding of strategy as it's core to what we do, especially if you want to do the job right. And because of that, I can see how designers, when they get older or they get more experienced, they want to focus on the strategy side of things uh, because we're uniquely placed to become strategists because we can help solve the deeper problems within a business and design solutions. So to share how he transitioned from designer to brand consultant, here is the interview with Matt Davis. Looking back at your career, I see that from, uh, I believe it was 2003 to 2008, you was a designer, but fast forward 12 years, you're now a brand consultant. And I think the uh, thing worth pointing out is that there's not even a mention of graphic design in, in your role. You are a full-time brand consultant now. So what was the reason why you made your mind up to make that transition to full-time brand consultant rather than graphic designer? <laughs> these are these are exciting questions. First of all, um, Ian, thanks so much for having me on. And um, absolutely love the podcast. I mean, what you're doing here is is phenomenal. So thank you. It's an absolute honor to... Uh... Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to be able to chat as well, because since we last spoke, you are also now a podcast host as well with Jacob Cass, which is awesome. So yeah, congratulations for that. Podcasts. No, no, mine fantastic. <laughs> I mean, yours is far more advanced and mature than ours. <laughs> you know, mine is me, me, me and some Aussie bloke just like, um, you know, talking about brand strategy. But yeah, no, it's... Um, <laughs> An interesting medium it's an interesting medium and I, I i think they're fantastic because you you kind of you kind of get to speak when if you start one you get to speak to some really interesting people and um you know i think that's uh, that's kind of a only a good thing for for kind of self-development and developing um your listeners so awesome anyway let me um let me dive into this question so um, so yeah, so my background is in graphic design, and um, I ran my own design studio. I actually built my own sort of little company up to about twelve people, and we basically focused on design. And prior to that, I was a designer myself, like a graphic designer. Um, and uh, one, of, but one of the things, Ian, that I'm sure you face, and and uh, a lot of the listeners face, is this question. Well, there's two. There's lots of things we face, but one of the issues with graphic design, anyway, is it's becoming more and more, um, if I dare say it, commoditized. And by that, I mean that in the global economy that we live in, um, if somebody needs a design, be that a logo, brochure, even a website, um, they have 
uh, lots of options available to them. Um, what that means is is that for, just from a commercial perspective, it's becoming very hard. And it, you know, I, I, I was, I was in this boat. It was becoming very hard to be competitive. And, um, and obviously, you know, that's not a great place. So, so that's kind of one point, like, you know, the, the, the one issue that I was facing and the other issue that I was facing when, um, with my, with my design agency anyway, which I was kind of the creative director of, um, when this sort of all came to the fore was, um, that we were doing a lot of sort of small websites, you know, um, and one of the things that we could see coming along, coming over the horizon, if you like, was the technology of Wix and Squarespace and even WordPress getting better and better at uh, kind of, um, you know, the functionality it offered people. And even if you take the, the the general boom in desktop publishing, you know, and Word and, you know, all those things that we as designers shudder at, um, people, the clients think they can design because they have some tools that they can start to use to put something together. <laughs> so what that means is, is that your value as just a designer, or this is how I see it anyway, and I hope I'm, you know, we'll probably talk about some hard truths here, but you know, this is- No, no, it's good. This is exactly why I wanted to talk to you about it because I, I know you're not the only designer that has made this transition. And I have a lot of friends that are considering it. Um, I've seen graphic designers when they've been doing it for a number of years, um, they get more involved in the strategy. They start to enjoy that more and, and transition over. So that's why I thought this would be a great episode to dive into. Cool. Yeah, well, I think it does come down to that point of, um, of value to the client. So here's the thing. Why do we get paid? And I would, you know, this is a big question. Why, why do people depart with their cash, right? They depart with their cash because of perceived value, right? Mm-hmm. So they think that you are going to add some value to them. Maybe they can't do the thing that you're doing. Maybe they think that you have an expertise. And maybe you do, or maybe you don't. It doesn't really matter at the point of the sale because it's perceived at that point. It's what they think. So the the, the real kind of, kind of question is, is what problem are we solving? So when I sort of started thinking about this, oh, maybe 10 years ago, I was thinking, you know, the problem that I'm solving is not big enough. You know, that I'm being used as a commodity. Someone thinks I need a logo, I need a brochure. The truth is they don't really need that, those things. What they actually want is they want to grow their business or they want to um, they, they, they want to distinguish themselves in a marketplace or um, they don't really know what they want, which is even worse, right? So, so what I found was the story goes like this. So this is kind of how it happened. It was kind of by accident, to be honest with you, Ian. What happened was, was I, um, I had in my studio a project manager. Um, one of the problems we were facing was this back and forth with clients. And I'm sure all designers face it where you fulfill the brief, you send it to the client, they look at it and go, that's not what we yeah. like. And you're like, hold on, <laughs> that's exactly what you want. You've asked me to do and I've done it. And, they're like, and they can only kind of make a decision sometimes when they see it. And when it comes down to opinion, you're yeah. in trouble, right? Because then it's their opinion versus yours. And then they make you feel bad. And then you kind of end up spending way more time on all the revisions and you know, yeah. it's a huge headache. And we were facing this on quite a few projects. Anyway, this project manager, he said to me, Matt, do you know what I think we should do the next project we get? We are going to run a kickoff workshop. And this was like 10 years ago. And I was like, what's this kickoff workshop? What are these workshop things? So I said, okay, let's try it. And I let him run away with it. And I said, do you mind if I sit in? I was the creative director. Do you mind if I sit in? He said, no, no, sit in. So I sat in this workshop. And what he did was 
he he got one of our design team in. He got myself in, obviously, as as the overseer of creative. That was himself as the sort of account manager, project manager. And then the client brought like their team in, their marketing manager, a few others. And we sat down and I, I just could see immediately the value in what, what now I call swarming on the project, on the problem. But we'd already already made the sale at that point. But I realized, Sugar, we're doing all of this backwards. Um, we need to do these things in a discovery sort of um, angle so that we can really understand the client's problem before we then try and sell them something. Because often they don't even know what the main issues are, and they're not often aligned around them. So anyway, so we, we did this workshop and we started doing these workshops for free after that point. And then suddenly we realized like, wow, like there's a lot of value in this um, and people will actually pay us. And so at that point, what I then did was I was thinking, okay, well, how can we add more value to these workshops? And that's where I kind of started to read uh, loads of books, tons of books, and um, I really kind of realized that one of the things that we were positioned to do fantastically well and designers are is this is this kind of weird, hairy subject called branding, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is probably about 10 years ago. And then I realized, wow, like we could, um, we, could, we could make an impact with that. So do you mind if I just sort of clarify for the readers how I see brand and branding? Because I think that's kind of a- Oh, useful- yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. More than happy to. Go for it, Matt. So, yeah, I mean, uh, the reason for this is when when some people talk about brand, um, and I'm sure you, you you come across this, like they mean a logo and some fonts. Yeah, but- it's very common. Graphic designers say that a lot, and especially clients. Uh, clients come to me saying, saying that they want me to create a brand, but they actually mean a logo. So, yes, if you can provide some clarity for that, that would be amazing. Sure. I mean, there's there's lots of definitions out there, but the one I like to use, the, the one that I, I, I have a little book um, at, called Storyatogy, which is where I penned this. And it's, um, it's basically the meaning that people attach to you and your offer. That's what your brand is. It's the meaning. I think Jeff Bezos calls it what people say about you when you're not in the room. Our good friend, Marty Neumeyer says it's a person's gut feeling. I sort of summarize it as the meaning people attach to you. It's kind of like your reputation, right? Now, that's all great. That's the brand. Um, But the game that we can play in, uh, the fun game, is the game of branding. And branding is the attempt, uh, the, the kind of the calling, if you like, to manage that meaning. Right, because what a lot of what a lot of businesses do is they don't manage their meaning. They run after the short term. They run after the sales. They recruit people um, based on skills, not on kind of uh, a big vision or a big belief system. And then what happens is, as businesses grow, they kind of splinter. So what I realized was that we'd work with a lot of marketing directors, and um, they would be you know, fantastic at tactics and, you know, getting, getting, I don't know, generate leads, for example, for their business. Mm-hmm. But when we sort of asked them big questions in these workshops, we started doing questions like, so simple questions, like, why do you exist beyond <laughs> making money? Right. And they'll be, or, or you'd say, why do you exist? And they say, oh, well, we exist to, to turn over, you know, 10 million pounds. And you'd be like, well, that's a great reason for you to exist. But like, 
your customer does not care about that, right? You can't go out with that message, come and buy money from us so that, so that we become rich. That doesn't wash. Why? Give me a compelling reason why you exist beyond making money, you know? So there's a big question. Why do you exist? Um, who do you exist to serve? It's amazing how many businesses do not have clarity around their audiences. And, and the other big question I always used to like to ask and still ask is, um, and why are you different? Like, what makes you special? Why should I choose you if I'm, you know, your in your audience group over your competitor? Now, these are huge questions. And what I used to find was, even if the marketing director, you know, CMO or whatever, might have some ideas around this, we might be doing some work with them. And then as soon as they floated that work maybe up top to the board, like people would then kind of be like, no, that's that's not right. That doesn't kind of work. And then we do sometimes have to start again. And you think, well, hang on, this is really weird. What this showed me, Ian, was that most businesses have a major problem with alignment. That's the problem. And that's what our workshop started to solve for people because we get people in the room, we get them all excited, we talk to them about the big hairy questions of brand. We'd um we'd map stuff out on, you know, our big glass walls and we used to get glass pens and looked used to look really funky. But in essence, the the guts of what we were doing was walking people through um a way of articulating and defining their business that allowed them to begin to manage the meaning. And then from that, we would take that and say, okay, let's express that that strategic thought creatively. Now, over time, just to kind of get back to your question, over time, what I realized was, was this was where I really kind of excelled. Like I was an okay designer. I still can, you know, pull up InDesign and you know, do some do some grid layouts and, you know, typography and stuff. But where people were banging on the door to work with Matt Davies wasn't for my design stuff, sadly. And that was quite a, quite a horrible realization, right? But where they, where they were really happy to work with me and, you know, literally travel across the world to kind of work with me was when, um, uh, you know, they'd heard or they'd experienced me do these workshops. So what happens, as you say, when you get more experienced is once you've delivered huge value, to somebody and you've like say a CMO or a marketing director you've actually made them look phenomenal in front of their bosses um when they move which ultimately they might do after 2 3 years they go to another company and then they're like hey this company doesn't have clarity over its brand well let's get that weird bearded guy in to uh, to help us with that you know <laughs> and then you'd get weird wheeled in to do that and then over time you you know you kind of carve out a little niche so what happened was was I started to play in that space, and in this region in in the Midlands, uh, I, I'm currently in Nottingham, originally from London, but 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 now in Nottingham, um, there wasn't many, and there still isn't many people playing in that space. So it did another thing for me, um, which is where um, when you sort of do design, it's like a, a it's called a red ocean, right? Like there's ev- there's loads of people competitors in that ocean. And um, we wouldn't like to sort of say this in public, but rea- reality is we're all kind of fighting each other. It's a really, yeah. you know, a race to a price war sometimes. And it's kind of yeah, red. Yeah. Blood everywhere. <laughs> Even though graphic designers are very supportive of each yeah. other, at the end of the day, agencies, graphic designers, we're all trying to get the same clients <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. So you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what I found was, was by playing in this new space, it was kind of like a blue ocean where there were, weren't so many sharks and I kind of like that like I don't like um vicious competition as much as the mm-hmm. next person so so yeah so that's that's where I ended up um but the, but what happened was was I developed that as an agency I worked with hundreds of clients in that agency I eventually sold that agency because what I realized was 
like I'd lost the passion in in managing creative teams to deliver and execute on design. Um, I really wanted to pursue this consultative strategic approach, and it became very you know very difficult in this marketplace for all the reasons mentioned. Um, and then I sold it to a digital marketing agency, a much bigger digital marketing agency. I think there were about 40 there. I joined them and eventually was promoted to creative director after a few months, which was a, a real honor. Headed up their design team. And I thought, hey, maybe I can focus now just on on sort of the design rather than running the whole business because they were a lot bigger. There was a board and you know, they there were other resources that I didn't have access to. So I did that for a bit. I did that for about a year and a half. Um and oversaw designers and still did consultancy. Uh, but then I kind of realized the same problems existed. And I got, to be honest with you, I got burnt out, Ian. Like I was absolutely mm. shattered. Mm. I probably have ADHD, as you can probably tell anyway. And um, <laughs> and uh, I kind of uh, needed a rest. Um, and yeah. uh, at the time, I had a big corporate banging on the door. They wanted me to head up an in-house creative team. Um, and so I decided, you know what, I'm going to do that. So I left the uh, agency world. I went in-house. I ran a creative team and built a creative department um, for Capital One, actually, um, which is like a big credit card company. So I sold my soul to the corporate devil, so to speak. Um, and then um, basically, I uh, there was an opportunity to to basically leave there to, to, to kind of take redundancy. And um, the corporate world was great, but it really wasn't for someone of my brain. Um, it was kind of uh, quite restrictive, as you can imagine, but it was a great experience. Um, so I I left there and then I ended up um, thinking, so this was, I don't know, what was it, back end of 20, 2018, I think. And I kind of thought, what what do I do now? You know, <laughs> what's next? I've run an agency, built an agency, sold an agency, gone in-house. You know, what am I, you know, what am I doing? Like where, so, you know, those sorts of life moments, they cause you to reflect where, do I add the most value, you know? And so what that then led to me thinking was, was look, why don't I just give this a go? Just completely be uh, 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 and sort of position myself as a brand strategist, not not as a designer that does a bit of brand strategy, but like, let's be brave. Why not? Burn the bridges. Let's just go in. Uh, but, you know, burn the boats, so to speak, you know, uh, send the horses back into the sea. Let's just, let's just try it. And um, I had a few... Um, you know, uh, companies uh, interested in working with me um, in a consultative role. And it was kind of like a no-brainer in the end. I kind of just started doing it and it's it snowballed from there. And now I've, I mean, I was privileged enough to work with Nestle um, uh, a few months ago. Um, so I've been working with some big brands. I've worked in Dubai. I've worked in Sweden last week. I was working in uh, New York and Chicago a few months ago. So it's it's really weird, and with the current sort of um, just so, just for context for the listeners, we're actually doing this right and slap bang in the middle of the COVID problem. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said up, that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, someone might be listening to this in a, in a year or two's time. Yeah, in a year's time. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> at, at, what, since that's come up, what this is. Um, opened up to me as just somebody who's just focused on strategy and and really I sell workshops and research that's kind of what I do and I work with leadership teams but what the covid issue has opened up is is a bit even bigger market because people are now open to virtual workshops um and I happen to you know be okay at <laughs> at workshops so I pivoted very quickly um I was doing some online anyway virtually but pivoted very quickly to just doing them online and now I kind of do that all the time. So it's uh, 
it's one of those things, you know, it's it's kind of just, um, is is there a grand master plan, Ian? I'm not sure. I, I just want to play where I can do meaningful work. And that for me is is my is my journey. So I hope other people have found that interesting because I think if you're good at communicating, if you are, if, if doing meaningful work um, excites you, and when I mean meaningful, I mean work that really solves big business problems, then um, then definitely strategy is something to to sort of hone your hone your skills in to kind of get better at because you can add some real value to businesses in that space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I would say um, uh, you you mentioned earlier that there's uh, less competitors. I think it because it, it requires a lot of skill, and you built that up over the years. I, I don't think. Uh, someone that's just starting out as a graphic designer could transition to a strategist. I think uh, you built up a lot of skills whilst being a graphic designer and whilst working at agencies so that you are very good at what you do. And, uh, you know, you've you've learned a lot. You said that you read a lot. So um, I am curious. So now that you are full-time strategist, yeah. I know a lot of people that do strategy, but they tend to do the graphic design as well and, uh, you know, see it as like a bolt on to that service. But now that you are doing that full time, do you feel that that's opened up the doors to to all of those bigger projects? Um, yes, I suppose it does open up, um, you know, more interesting doors. I mean, basically, it allows you to charge more eventually because, basically let let me let me let me let's talk hard truths right in right if i mm-hmm. said to you right pull me together an a5 leaflet okay i need an a5 leaflet right and i'm looking for a designer to do that and you say well matt i could do that for 200 pounds you know and you get one revision mm-hmm. one set of revisions or whatever however you define that and i look at that and i go that's nice but there's this guy i know in the philippines who can do it for five pounds right so what that does is you've got this 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 problem so now you have you're on the back foot you've got to sell yourself yeah but i'm like i'm ian like i'm awesome and you know but how how do you <laughs> distinguish very very tricky very very tricky um, <laughs> whereas so what i'm trying to say is is potentially i could go to you know as a client i i have uh, you know more options and if price is my driver you know which it shouldn't be, but if it is, then then you know you're going to lose, Ian, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the way it is. I see that a lot myself. I, I have these calls about you know someone comes to me like a, a plumber wants a logo. I give him a price, and he's like, "How much? I can get one for sixty pound." It's like, well, well, go and get it for sixty pound. <laughs> <Go on, then. laughs> well, yeah, and, yeah and, it happens but, a lot. But but that's because they think they perceive that what yes. you're delivering they can also get elsewhere for cheaper, right? Yes. But when, yeah, when, yeah. You, when, when you sort of evolve into the consultancy space and, um, and you, you, you know, you manage to get some clients under your belt who, who have, you know, you, who you have created great value for, who you have solved mm-hmm. problems for. So, you know, this, this, this thing that I go, that I really believe I solve is this question of alignment. It's a massive problem for businesses and leadership teams. So I often work, say, with a CEO who wants to change their business. Maybe they've just come in um, to the role and they're looking around the leadership, the boardroom table, and they realize, flip, everybody is pulling in a different direction. Like, how do I get everybody unified? And for whatever reason, they don't have the skills or or don't have the inclination to, to, to lead the charge on that. And then maybe they come and hear me talk or they see, they hear of me or they're talk, talking with their friends about this problem. And someone says, 
there's a weird bearded guy, right? He's cool. <laughs> Speak to him. And then basically what I do is I talk to them about brand, but brand is just the Trojan horse to lead them to alignment around a future strategy, around what could be. And what that that is a huge problem. Once you solve that for people, they want you. They don't they don't think they can get that, you know, from many places. And particularly if like um, you know, I don't know, like people by people in that space. So if if my personality re- uh, kind of resonates, if they think, look, this guy is passionate, energetic, he's kind of English and, and he's quite polite and he's got a beard and all those things tick their boxes, then they can't get that from many other people, you know, that and, mm, and the mm. and the skill of of kind of leading those workshops. So what then happens is is I'm now in the driving seat, right? They can't get this from anyone else. They have to come to me. And so what that allows me to do is say, well, look, I'm actually super busy right now. So um, this is how I want to structure our arrangement, you know, and that then leads to some very interesting, um, you know, sales whereby I'm, you know, able to charge way much more than I ever could uh, as a designer. I just want to take a really short break to mention the Logo Designers box set, which is a set of six ebooks that I put together to help you through the logo design process. It's totally free to download and it covers the tools you need, uh, creating a logo design brief, advice for coming up with ideas, presenting logos, creating files for your clients and finding your own clients too. So you can download that for free just by heading to boxset.logogeek.uk. Now that is in exchange for your email address to sign you up to my newsletter. So if you do want to be kept up to date with what's happening with the Logo Geek podcast and other things I'm doing around Logo Geek, do head to boxset.logogeek.uk to download that and sign up. So that is it. Let's get back to the interview. Can I just ask, because I know we've had separate conversations, not recorded, but you, you've given me some figures of what you've got in a day. Are you open to sharing that publicly? And I'll cut this out if you don't want to. No, no, I could, just, uh... I mean, it sounds really <laughs> arrogant. Like, um, I mean, the, the, I'd, I'd rather sort of say a month, to be honest with you, Ian. I have had some yeah, insane yeah. day things, but <laughs> like the best month I ever had, I earned £25,000 like in one month. Wow. Which, is, which makes me feel awful because when I was a designer, that would be over a year's wage for me. Right? <laughs> so I appreciate that that's, that sounds ridiculous. And, you know, um, it, it, it kind of is ridiculous. Sometimes I'm like, what is going on there? But, but the reason for that is because you can, you can look at a project and you can, if you can solve the problem, and they can't get it anywhere else. You, you know, you're in the driving seat. But to be honest with you, that's just a you know that's that's just one example. Don't I don't don't I don't want everyone to think I'm getting that all the time. Like yeah, the, I understand the real the real the real value in the consultancy role, rather than delivering sort of a a commodity as I call it, is that you can you can basically charge uh, and sell retainers. So when I ran my design studio, we did have some retainers in terms of like some retail companies who needed to constantly change like their uh, their shop windows and um, you know their the kind of their campaigns. So we had seasonal retail you know shops, for example. We would we would sell re- uh, retainers to them or or menus for restaurants that they know they're going to consistently change. So you can sell in a retainer to that type of business. But 
but again, it's low value. When you're a consultant, what happens is, is so a client might come to me and say like, Matt, we need to get our brand strategy in place. We need to get our culture sorted out. We need to, um, we need to get our kind of customer experience sorted out. These are huge, huge, big things, right? Mm -hmm. And you can't just go, okay, that will be done by next week, Tuesday, right? Because you don't know and they don't even know. And you need to kind of link in with a lot of their people. You need to do interviews. You need to do research and you need to have the space to explore that. And they, of course, have to trust that you're doing that. But what it means is, is that you can really, um, you can basically say to them, well, look, let's do a six month agreement, right? And uh, the way that I tend to work is I say to people, look, um, I, I'm going to report into you every two weeks. We're going to set some big goals at the outset, and we're going to maybe set a, a quarterly goal, like three months. And then I want you to leave me the space to get on with it and give me access to the right people, and I'll, I'll check in. So that's kind of how it works, which is a very different model. Um, it gives me control over my time. It gives me control over um, you know, a lot of things, and I get regular income. So that's one type of sort of sale, which is it's – it, and it's it's bliss to be honest with you compared to having to constantly find the next project and the next project and the next project so it's a very different uh, approach um and of course i do take on one off projects and speaking appointments and various other things which is which is you know where where you can add other value but in terms of stability i feel much more stable financially in this model than than perhaps before yeah. Yeah. And um, I've seen the other side of this because whilst I haven't hired a strategist, now that I'm full time, so I've been full time now for about three to four months, I have considered hiring a consultant that can help me improve certain areas. And uh, uh, some of their hourly rates are, as expected, $300, $500 for an hour crazy or they can pour you into you know to help you over a period of time and and generally that's in the thousands but even though that's a lot of money when i consider the problem that is solving having that problem fixed for me is the significant value you know it's it's mm. it, it it could it could bring my annual sales this year alone, it could double, it could triple it. So immediately, you know, the hour or two hours with that person could make me an extra £50,000 this year and even more the, 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 the following year. So something like just graphic design, that, that, that tends to be very temporary, but something like consulting, something like advice, uh, strategy for businesses in, in particular, uh, it requires a lot of trust, a lot of confidence you ideally want the best person that you can afford and if that means spending ten thousand pounds for an hour <laughs> you're gonna spend it yeah you so I, I know you you said that you, you you had that month where you made uh what a lot of people make in a year you, you have to understand as a listener when you're doing strategy you're not solving a surface level issue which to no be way. fair graphic design can be seen as you are solving fundamental issues that will make that company in some cases it could potentially make them billions of pounds and you can solve that in a few hours so um to to charge for that makes sense and and my that fee i said like i don't think i by any stretch of the imagination have 
have actually leveraged uh, and got to the bottom of the barrel. Do you know what I mean? Like there is more. Like yeah, yeah. There's, there's a there's a. Can I drop a book in here, um, Ian? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about books as well because you did say that you got ton, that that you read tons of books. So please yeah. mention books. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drop this book. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's loads. I love books. It's so important, I would say, to designers to 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 read business books, right? Because you're trying to solve business problems, so you've got to read business books, um, and you've got to speak the language of the boardroom which is which is you know is is important if you want to be perceived as being able to solve problems for that business anyway the book i was going to sort of recommend is uh, it's quite old but it's a book by a chap called alan vice spelt w e i s s and he's got a book called um a million dollar consultant and i think um you may have heard of blair ends he quotes from alan's books oh, yeah. quite a bit yeah. um, now alan vice uh, his book, it's it's a different category, right? So I think he's like a sales consultant for big businesses. Um, uh, but he really explains the consultant lifestyle. Like he, he explains from a business perspective, he goes into how to do your billing, how to do your proposals, loads of stuff. Now, when I read that, um, I realized that I was doing it all wrong before, if you, if you like, um, positioning myself incorrectly, billing incorrectly. I was billing, you know, you mentioned hourly rates. Like I don't have an hourly rate now. I don't do hours. It drives me nuts. Like I think that's how I used to do it as a designer. You know, you'd kind of tot up how long you think each task might take, put the hours in the side, give yourself an hourly rate that you think you're worth. I don't know. I think we were like on 120 pound an hour at one point when I was running my agency. And then, um, and that's it. And then the client doesn't care about that, though. They just look at the bottom, uh, you know, the, 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 the total, and they assume that they're gonna, you're going to solve their problem for that fee um, and, or you're going to deliver on all the stuff for that fee. And then mm-hmm. they, they, they mm-hmm. kind of assume that, that, you know, this, that they can have as many edits as they like to things and they don't realize that you're charging out by the hour. You've got overheads that you charge by the hour, et cetera. Consultancy model is very different. Consultancy model, you charge by the value. So it's called value-based billing. And you actually, in the sales process, you, you try and work out with the buyer how much value monetarily return on investment they will get if you solve their problem. Now, suddenly it's a kind of equitable, it's kind of a balanced approach to the fees, which allows you to charge a lot more. So for example, say there's a business and they're turning over, you know, 2 million pounds, for example, but all their leadership team are squabbling and pulling in different directions. And the, the, the CEO knows this and they've come to you to solve that problem. Um, you know, you say to the CEO, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Like if we sort this out, if we manage to get brand thinking right there across your customer and employee experience and right into the boardroom itself, you know, and then they suddenly see a lot of value in what you're talking about. And if they trust that you can deliver that, which of course it does come down to trust, like you said, then you're, you know, you can charge what you want pretty much because, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, the value to them is, is, is huge. So it comes down to the problem we're trying to solve for people. And I know what I'm talking about right now is not going to appeal to every everybody, you know? Like, um, I, for many years, saw myself as a designer. You know, I am a designer, the designer Matt Davies. Um, I pr- prided myself on, you know, typography and grid grids and color wheels and all that stuff, Pantone colors, all that stuff. But the truth is, is that that I've had to sort of relinquish a little bit of that. And um, 
I think you're right. I think a lot of designers see the value in strategic thinking because it allows them to get a great brief to then execute on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that um, I see now, and this is going to be the controversial statement of the interview, <laughs> um, I see design as the add-on to the strategy, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that, for me, is the, is the main, is, is where we can add the most value. And I would. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just going to add, I do, I personally, I totally agree with that because I uh, obviously started off as a graphic designer focused more on aesthetics. As I've got older, so now I've been doing it for over 15 years, I'm more focused on the strategy side of things. I still want to be a graphic designer. I want to make that really clear. (laughs) I want to be a graphic designer that thinks, Uh, based on strategy but i have to point out i cannot do the job without knowing the strategy or assisting with the strategy and now you know compared to last year the 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 more i've been learning about strategy uh, especially after doing martin neumeyer's course and reading all of martin's books properly um i am i'm at the point now where i have clients who really need the strategy and I'm designing for them, but I don't feel like I'm helping them. So I, I see, Yeah, uh, I totally agree like, with you. I totally agree with like you. Emptiness, because once you've experienced the strategic side and you see the value that it brings to your work yeah. as a designer, and then you kind of pick up another project and they don't care about strategy and they're just going to dictate to you what's what. And then you you kind of execute on it and then actually you realize they haven't got a clue what they're doing here. You know, this isn't going to distinguish them in the marketplace. This is just a me too. And that's not going to actually do solve their real problem, which is they want more sales or whatever it might be. Once you've experienced that, you're like, why doesn't everybody do strategy? Like it kind of, <laughs> it, it becomes, and it becomes like a light bulb, well, at least for me, it did a light bulb moment. But yeah. what I was going to say to you was, yeah, I love that you dropped out Marty. In fact, I think that's where we first met Ian, wasn't it? At Marty's. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's how we know each other. Yeah. <laughs> we Martin met in person. Neymar, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was massively influential to me, um, uh, as well. All of his books, the brand gap, um, the, uh, you know, the brand flip, Zag is a great book that he's written, um, and even his most recent book, um, Scramble, is pretty Scramble, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I love that. that. That that one's a story. I love that. It's a it's a story, but you learn so much with that because um, reading Marta's books, they're whiteboard books. So you, you know you're you're learning the theory, but with Scramble, it's got the person in there that's that's totally against um, uh, the processes. It's got the the arguments. It's got all the disputes in there. It's, it's, got, the it's got all the conversations. Yeah, and I love that. You know you. See both sides of it, so it's not theory at all. It's it's uh, you see the theory and the the frameworks being used, yeah. but then you you hear the conversations, the the real conversations. I mean, these must be based on real things. You see all of that happen in the book and how it unfolds. It's, it's a fantastic book. It's one of my uh, favorites from Martin. It's I, brilliant. I would definitely recommend that. And I would say that that you know that book it describes a lot of the situations I get myself involved in in terms of going in pulling teams together, swarming around these problems and just helping them to get clarity. Often as a strategist, you don't necessarily need to have every answer, but you need to have tools and methods and the energy to help to help people come to the answers themselves. And that is that's really exciting. You know, like when you've actually helped a leadership team and they all click and they all like, wow. And um, you know, you can give them 
some politely some hard truths from research that you've done and you know customer research or employee research uh, and when they realize you know that they've they've solved some of these problems and they've they've got a vision for the future that's that's so powerful and i was going to say as a designer right you, you mentioned um honing your skills and sort of developing skills yeah. over the years mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. you know i just to give the listeners, a, I feel pretty old now. Like I used to be the, the kid on the block. I never went to university. I went straight out into agency life. And I always used to be like the kid, like the, the, the kind of the guy. And then suddenly at some point you turn around and you're like, I'm not the kid anymore. I'm the old guy uh, in the corner with the beard. <laughs> um, that's me. So I've been doing it for now about 18 years. And um, you're right. You, I think the thing I would say is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like throw yourself out there. Don't, my my view is is don't pigeonhole yourself um, in a, in a, in a box. I am a designer. I only sit in front of a Mac and you know play with the, the Adobe suite. No, like branch out, go to some workshops, try some new things, um, get on some some calls with customers. If you want to solve the real problem, you're going to have to really um, up level up. And the only way you're going to level up is to throw yourself. In, into those areas and you will make mistakes like I've made tons of mistakes like and sometimes it's like a punch in the in the stomach you know you you might you might uh, I don't know, get lambasted by a client for overreaching or you know or or just be like have no clue on how to proceed those those things are normal um and but what I would say is is the quest is my quest was always truth right it used to really bug me and still does when somebody says one thing like as a business or you're asked as a designer, put this on the brochure or put this on the website. And you know, because you visited their offices or whatever, that the reality is far from that truth. That upsets me. And so this kind of idea of um, of doing the strategic stuff fitted in with my kind of my view of of, of how things should be. And, and truth is a, as a core of a sort of core thing that I, I really sort of champion. So, so that's kind of where my drive came from. And I'm sure a lot of people have a similar thing, but as a designer, here's the thing, this is what I wanted to say. As a designer, you are brilliantly placed to work in strategy. And the reason for that is, is that we as creatives, we can imagine what is not yet, if that makes sense. And Mm -hmm. not only can we imagine, you know, a better future, as designers, we can also articulate and design the way towards that future. So I'm still a designer, Ian, right? Even though I've got strategists slapped on my label, right? But really, I'm helping people design their business. I'm helping them design customer experiences and employee experiences. I'm helping them design a way forward that will align their leaders. These are all design sort of skills. Um, And when you have that logical uh, but also kind of chaotic and creative mind. So you get the, the the craziness of the creative brain. It kind of has to exist in some sort of process. We love to try and at least articulate it in a process, even though we know reality is it jumps all over the place. But you, once you start being able to sort of define things and um, you know, you can put together the core purpose and the values and, you know, and the, and the overarching strategy in a diagram that makes sense to people. Like everybody loves a temple or a wheel or a grid or something like people love that stuff and it makes sense to them and they have me, it creates meaning. That's what branding and brand strategy is all about, you know, managing that meaning. And, and as a designer, you can do that. You've got the skills usually uh, tucked away inside of you to develop that and to do that really, really well. That's my belief anyway. 
Mm, mm, I love that. I love that. Now, I am conscious of time because just before the call, you said that you have a call which is in about 10 minutes. So I'm going to throw one last question at you and then we can wrap this up. So knowing what you know now, so you've learned a lot over the last, what was it, 18 years. If you could travel back to any time in your career and give your younger self some words of wisdom, some advice, what would you tell your self at some point in your previous career? It could be at any point. It doesn't need to be at the beginning. It could be last week if, if needed. <laughs> I, yeah, I, myself last week probably needs a few telling, tell, you know, <laughs> being told to, to be honest. Well, I think, I think if, I was to, if I was to look at myself, um, a scrawny kid from, from South London, um, you know, just starting out, um, I think I would... I, when I was a kid, I was just sick of the education system, to be honest. I just wanted to get out there. I wanted to do real stuff. I wanted to prove myself, uh, probably to my dad, to be honest with you. Um, I wanted to prove I could, I could, I could make it, right? And uh, I'd probably just say to myself, don't take yourself so seriously, right? You know, just, just learn. Like, I think people, you know, I don't know, they're 20 years old. This was me anyway. And I thought, I thought I knew everything, to be honest, you know, and you don't, you, you need experience. So you need to learn. And I would definitely say to myself, I wish earlier in my career, I had read more books. I had, um, you know, gone to more lectures or, or, or watch more Ted talks or whatever. However you learn, definitely do that because, you know, experience, you can't buy experience, you know, get that, get, get, get your learning and then try and apply it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And if you fail in your application, that's an experience. Take that with you. I tried that there. It didn't work. Adapt and move on because it's only by testing and trying things and failing that you're going to grow. And so my my advice to my younger self would be um, learn more and apply your learning and don't worry if it fails. Yeah, I love that advice. And I've I've just taken that myself because I, I don't know if you know Michael Janda. No. He's actually just released a, a training course for uh, anyone that wants to get into freelance, I, I just signed Fantastic. up for that myself. If you don't know him already, you have to go and find him, speak to him and get him on your podcast. That guy is amazing. I, I love Michael. He's um he's one of those people that's been doing this for years and he's at that point where he's he's had a successful career. He's got um, enough money to do what he wants to do and that, that's what he's doing. He's um, giving back to the graphic design world. So if you don't know him, go and check him out he's, and he's uh, just released that course. So, I'll include that in the the show notes. (laughs) Definitely. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, really great. And and for listeners, this is actually take number two. We had some serious (laughs) technical issues last time. So thank you, Matt, for um, being so awesome, understanding. And uh, thankfully, I think this second take was a hundred times better than the first one as well. It was awesome. So thank you very much, Matt, for your time. Ian, seriously, thank you for inviting me on. And um, it's been an absolute honor. And, you know, I, I just wanted to say to you, keep doing what you're doing. Like the show's fantastic. And, you know, I know those of us um, in this space really, really appreciate all the work and, and effort. And it is, guys, seriously, like having just started a podcast myself, it is a lot of work, right? Scheduling the, is, the, yeah. the interviews, <laughs> thinking of the questions, um, actually doing them and then editing them afterwards. So, you know, I appreciate the volume of work behind the project. And I just want to say, you know, if I can take on the <laughs> the voice of the people. Um, thank you to you from the voice from the voice of the people. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Matt. Thanks so much for your time. It's been great. Take care, mate. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, 
do make sure to go and check out Matt Davis' website, which is mrmattdavis.me. He's also got a book, Storyatogy, and he's also co-host of a podcast called Just Branding, which is alongside Jacob Cass, who has been on the podcast before too. Alternatively, check out the show notes where I'll link to all of that, as well as books or resources that we mentioned, plus a transcription of the interview too. So to find the show notes, head to logageek.uk forward slash 91. Also, I want to once again thank Adobe Wireframe who have kindly sponsored this episode. Wireframe is a podcast hosted by the Senior Director of Design at Adobe with the third season exploring how design intersects with the global changes that's happening right now with COVID-19. So to find Wireframe, head to logageek.uk forward slash wireframe or do a search on Wireframe in your favorite podcast app. And if you're keen to discuss anything mentioned in this interview with me and almost 10,000 logo designers from around the world, make sure that you're part of the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and it's incredibly active, so you'll get your questions answered. And if you want any feedback, uh, you'll get the feedback that you need. So to find that, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community or just do a search on Facebook for Logo Geek and hopefully you will find it. So that is it for this week, but I'll see you the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast. <laughs>